Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we just watch? We just watched The House of Fear, a 1945 crime film uh, directed by Roy William Neal, starring uh, Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce as Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson. I understand that it is an adaptation of an 1891 story by Mr. Arthur Conan Doyle called The Five Orange Pips. Would <laughs> oh, you say it was a pretty faithful adaptation? Oh, no, I would say it's pretty faithless. Uh, that's a story that actually involves uh, the KKK, of all things, and Sherlock Holmes is having to go up some against some insidious white supremacists. But this has none of that. Nothing like that happened in this picture. Nope. This doesn't involve America at all. Um, and uh, it's also very silly. And this is a this is the tenth film in the uh, Rathbone Bruce series. They did a number of films, uh, starring as Sherlock and Watson. And this is why do you suppose the they did not do a more faithful adaptation of some of these stories? Uh, I th- I mean it's nineteen forty five, right? I mean, every want to want to get real political i mean maybe they maybe they just thought that was too political to be criticizing the kkk or be doing a, a ta- i mean oh conan uh arthur conan doyle was pretty fascinated by the united states he has a lot of american subplots in his stories um from and everything from the molly Maguires to the mormons to the kkk so he was fascinated by america but i think 
most adaptations kind of keep things squarely in England. That's what people want to see. We don't want to go over to America and do any of that weird, weird shit. So maybe they just figured that would be easier. Maybe they didn't want to alienate the Southern movie market. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into it. How does the movie begin? So we start off with a bit of a narration, uh, which is done by a guy who's an insurance investigator who goes to homes with this with this tale. Um, we go to Scotland. It's the Drear Cliff House, where seven members of the Good Comrades, who at first sound a bit like some sort of like elderly communist club, but turn out just to be like single guys without families. Kind of sad. I didn't really understand this club. Did you understand the club? I think it was like guys without families hanging out. I mean, England had like a big club scene back in the day, right? Where like people had clubs based on profession and stuff. So maybe like Studio 54, (laughs) CBGBs, that sort of thing. No. (laughs) This ain't no CBGB. This ain't no disco. This ain't no fooling around, Kevin. No, it's like, like. So this is a club, it's like basically some old house where seven guys live together and have a maid take care of them. It's a great sitcom premise. And someone's murdering them all one by one. (laughs) And they still stay there. Where else can you go? I mean, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves. We know it's hard to find places to rent in a GIF. So so the good comrades, um, one day, one Ralph King, one of your comrades, Kevin, a retired barrister or attorney, Gets an envelope with something in it that makes everyone laugh. But then the next night, his car drives off a cliff and explodes in flames. So obviously, there must be a connection. Must be a connection. So what was in the envelope that made them all laugh? Orange pips. Seven. What the fuck are orange pips? Well, apparently back in the day, if you sent somebody... Well, in the, in the, in the original story, they like, I think they act like it's an American tradition that is bad luck. I guess I'm asking literally, what is a pip? The seed in an orange. So why did they just say five orange seeds? I, I have no problem with the word pips. I'm. Why are you harping on this? It's an odd word. It's fun. It doesn't really. It, it's confusing. When I when you think of pip, you think of either Great Expectations or Gladys Knight. Kevin, I don't know what to tell you. Tell it, me something. It didn't. It didn't phase me. It didn't phase me. Oh, it spooked me something fierce. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, maybe that's what they call them back when Doyle wrote the story or whatever. You know? Get over it. <laughs> you pip squeak. <laughs> I, I guess that another question I would have is does this story, does the movie take place in 1891 or 1945? No, it's very clearly in 1945. They're all dressed like it's 1945. Okay. Yeah. I think only the first two in the series are take place in Victorian England. Um, so they get it's a one guy's dead. Then the good comrades are having a you know this is all still in the narration by the way this is the opening. All the good comrades are throwing glasses in the fire to commemorate their dead friend, and then they get the housekeeper who's like terrifying kind of Mrs. Danvers ripoff but Scottish brings in an envelope for one Stanley Rayburn. Who's uh, Mrs. Danvers? The uh, the maid from Rebecca. Okay. Yeah, she's like the quintessential scary maid. Like kind of like looming presence in the house. Like, oh, didn't you know? Like This this room is off limits. You know, kind of spooky, intimidating maid. That was very much what this maid was like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A figure of quiet menace. But, you know, ultimately unimportant. <laughs> Unlike Mrs. Danvers. Oh, that's a spoiler. So, um, the Stanley Ray- Rayburn was a distinguished actor at one time. He gets the next pips, but now instead of getting seven, he gets six because there's only six of them left. His battered body is discovered the next day. I liked it that they said he was a distinguished actor. Pause at one time. Back when people liked that sort of thing, <laughs> like a real slam. Back in the vaudeville days, if you know what I mean. So this investigator from the insurance company is telling this to Holmes and Watson because they they say, you know, these guys in this bizarre club, one thing they ha- all have in common is they're all heavily insured to the point where each one is worth more 
dead than alive. Ouch. Indeed. And so this insurance investigator suspects something's up. And he wants Holmes to investigate. And Holmes is a little bit reluctant because, you know, it's this takes place in, like, Scotland, right? And Holmes is in London. It's a schlep. It's a bit of a schlep. You know, he's got things to do. Mm-hmm. What changes his mind? Oh, he recognizes one of the good comrades as a certain good doctor. Dr. Simon Merrivale. Ooh. And uh, I just want to note that this insurance company, and by dint of this insurance investigator, just idiots, doofuses. What was that What was that guy in Double Indemnity, the insurance investigator who we liked so much? Uh, Edward G. Robinson. Edward G. Was this, it Keys? Was his name yeah, Keys? Yeah, Keys. This ain't no Keys. This ain't no Edward G. Robinson. This guy's like, oh, these guys uh, all took uh, insurance policies out on each other, and now they're all getting murdered. What's what, uh, Should we pay out the insurance? What the fuck are you all doing? <laughs> Put a stop, put a kibosh on this right now. What are you doing? If you, What would you do? You are the I would put a kibosh on this right now. What does that mean? I would. You, would you break up the club? I would be getting the, I would be dragging the police in there. I'd be investigating these people. Wouldn't this trigger a huge insurance investigation at the very least? We all took out policies to get on one another and now we're all being brutally murdered. I think at some point this becomes a national news story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but wouldn't if you were the insurance investigator, you wouldn't be like, well, I guess there's nothing we can do except to go to Sherlock Holmes. Shouldn't you go up there and be like, what the fuck is happening up here? It's a bit of a brain teaser. There's a possibility maybe, somebody's like, not right. Like, <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, whoa, whoa. Like, everyone, separate rooms. We're all going to talk to you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No one... For, for, for right, freeze the payouts. Freeze the payouts, people. Just freeze the payouts because everyone's getting paid out left and right. You're, 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 at a certain point, you're a party to these murders if you're just paying everyone out. Oh, I guess there's nothing we can do. I mean, and this is so unrealistic. Insurance companies, it's like fucking squeezing water from a rock half the time, even when there is a good claim. You know, the, why would the why would Chalmers just be like, hmm, you know, I don't know. I thought you might be interested in it, but I guess there's nothing I can do. Doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. So anyways, so Watson and Sherlock take up the Flying Scotsman, which I guess is the train up north. Uh, they go up to Scotland, and then they're having a nice little vacation. They're going around on the little... Uh, uh, horse-drawn carriage. I know you'd they're, probably like to do that. It's very romantic. It is romantic. It's cute. I would love to do a Scottish vacation that would look something like this. And I think that's why I love this movie so much because it's like my Pinterest board of what I want to do in Scotland. And listen, I'm sure this is not what Scotland's actually like. I'm sure Scotland has a lot more to offer, but I am a basic bitch. I want to I want to go on the horse-drawn carriage or whatever. I want to I want to see the you know the 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 cliffs and shit. This is what I want to do. I want to I want to be in a house where some insurance fraud is causing a bunch of deaths. I want to I want to be in the mix. I want to go to Scotland and have this happen to me. Gosh, you're fun. What do you mean I'm f- I'm delightful. You, you want to go in a house where everybody in the house except for you is getting murdered? No, I don't want anyone to actually get murdered, but I just want the vibe. So you want no bloodshed. I don't want anyone to actually die so I can have a good vacation. I just want the vibe of, like, this is a castle. You just want to think it's possible they could die. Yeah, I just want to be in a place where I'm like, this looks like a murder house. But, like, a cool, pretty one. Like an H.H. Holmes sort of situation? No, not like that. (laughs) That's a murder house. Well, whatever. I'm talking about this murder house. I want to be in a big gothic castle where I'm like, ooh, whoever used to live here probably did terrible things. Like, kind of like a spooky, scary castle. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. See, I am delightful. Hmm. Well, you've proven your case. Yeah, I have. Should we talk a little bit about Holmes and Watson in this movie? Because I think more so in some of the other movies, you can tell that Holmes really likes Watson a lot. Holmes loves Watson in this one. And I like that. He gives him the business a couple of times. He's pretty rude. But in fairness, <laughs> Watson does some pretty big blunders. Not as consistently. Like in some in some installments of this series, Watson is blundering every two minutes. In this one, he's he blunders very badly in some very key ways. 
But he he starts off okay. He starts off like not fucking up every two seconds, and then he kind of like gets worse as the vacation continues. But what what what, do you, what did you want to say about their relationship? Uh, there are a number of times in this movie, which I guess we're we're discuss as we get to them, that it's pretty obvious that Holmes loves Watson in a non sexual way. Then he really loves him. And and how do you feel about almost that? like uh. Like your relationship with our dog, in which I'll often hear you say some pretty disparaging things about our dog <laughs> and her behavior. Some very rude things would come out of your mouth about our dog, but obviously you love our dog. Make a way to make me sound like a total asshole. <laughs> well, you're, you're a bit of a monster when it comes to the dog. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> I, will, I will rib our dog and say sometimes that she's a big goon. Anya Kane, rude to dogs. That's what you're putting out there about your your lady. We, we can we can move on, but you you say more things. Than, oh, yeah, our dog is a bit of a goon on occasion. Lanny can be a bit of a doofus. She can be a bit of a dipshit do, but I still love her. I know you do. So it's like Holmes and Watson. It's like my Watson's a dog. <laughs> Kevin, I think you're my Watson. How dare you! <laughs> I'm your man. This is what you're putting out there about me? So Watson's like, who the fuck is this Dr. Merrivale dude that you're so obsessed with? And and Sherlock's like, he was a pretty famous doctor back in the day. And Watson's like, well, I've never heard of him. And <laughs> Sherlock, Sherlock's like, well, he, he, he was. You know, like you almost get the sense like, well, you aren't really with it in the medical scene in London, frankly, Watson. It's like a quiet little, quiet little moment there. But I feel like very telling about Watson's medical career. <laughs> I know all the top doctors. No, you, no, you don't. <laughs> In fairness to Watson, Dr. Merrillville is not famous for being a great doctor. Mm. He's famous for having gotten away with murder. Yeah, he butchered his young bride and got away with it because he was apparently so compelling on the witness stand that they had to let him go. <laughs> so charismatic, so yeah. charming and delightful. Please. And so... Um, so... So they finally get to so he's he's obviously in the front runner for he's the front runner for the good comrades, you know, murder pool at this point because he's an actual murderer and Holmes speculates that he got the taste of murder and now it's coming back. He's having a buffet up in Scotland now, like me in White Castles. Yeah, you got the taste of White Castle and now you frequent this uh this establishment. This, yeah, if you can call it that. I can't get away from it, like I, a siren call. You uh you you left a flyer in our car of the Valentine's Day event they're having. <laughs> so, just a little just a little hint to see so if you might be interested. That's all that's all that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> You're the you know, Dr. Maravell of White Castle. Tomorrow when you wake up that flyer will be on your pillow and <laughs> <laughs> soon it'll be taped to my computer screen. <laughs> it's just being very subtle. Ooh. <laughs> I know how to treat a lady. You'll send me a uh, envelope with five orange pips and the flyer. <laughs> oh, sorry, those got in there. I was eating an orange. So, um, now we get into Scotland. They show up in this what kind of looks like a tourist trap of a town. I mean, I'm sure this is all filmed on some sort of studio setup. It doesn't. Yeah, look, obviously, it doesn't look real. But I'm, but like, it, it, it looks like the vibe some... of the town is a tourist trap. Yeah, it looks like it was filmed in, like, a garage. Yeah, it looks like it was filmed in someone's garage. Like, okay, can we, like, move the car out of here? Just, like, build a... Just for a couple minutes. That's all we need. <laughs> One take, baby. And um, some Scot some Scotsman shoves his daughter inside for talking to Holmes. So that's... I don't know whether that's supposed to be a stereotype about scottish people that they're overprotective of their daughters but it was a weird little moment and holmes is kind of like uh she didn't do anything wrong i just asked her a question <laughs> was like, why is this in the movie <laughs> and um but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say again even though it's filmed in somebody's dank garage i like the vibe i like the scottish vibe i want to go to scotland i want to have an adventure in scotland so i'm i'm digging it would you make me wear like a kilt naturally you have to legally wear one in order to go into scotland so You'd have to wear one on the plane, too. <laughs> see, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Well, I think it will. We'll see who will win this game. <laughs> game is afoot. You'll wear a kilt and like it. 
No, you're not going to wear a kilt. You're not Scottish. And uh, I, I would not I would not care for that. I had to wear a kilt. Or it's not a kilt. It's kilts just for men. I had to wear like one of those plaid skirts when I did Irish step dancing as a kid. Oh, did you enjoy that? No, I was terrible. Oh, it's hard to imagine you being terrible at anything. Oh, you're such a suck up. I, I, I would not listen in any of the classes. And then I remember we got out to the recital and I was like, literally like at like the age of like seven being like, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but here goes nothing. That was terrible. <laughs> looked like I was crushing bugs on the stage. <laughs> it looked like there were a bunch of bugs out there and I was like stamping, stamping, stamping. <sighs> so that's, I'm Irish though. So I don't know anything about Scottish stuff, but. Or step dancing apparently. Or step, well that's Irish, but I. Or I you, you, yeah. I know I'm not good at it. <laughs> that's what I know about it. But anyways, they, uh, we go to the, we, we cut then to the good comrades and they're in this, basically this big Scrooge McDuck like castle. It's all Gothic. It's on the coast. It's packed with all these suits of armor and ornate tapestries and plump, uh armchairs and shit and just amazing it's on a cliff and it's right near the sea and it's all dark and spooky i love it i love the castle drear cliff or whatever the hell it's called but unfortunately a pretty big problem arises in the scene because you have this one guy named alistair kind of a quirky quirky guy very good humored everybody else i am having trouble telling apart except for this one guy who's this whose personality type is sailor um it's is that it, the guy with like the really messy hair? Yes. Kind of reminded me of me the hair. That's you. Because <laughs> he has really messy hair and he's kind of surly. Yeah. You're not surly. You're, you're Alistair. What do you mean by that? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm Alistair, the bald weirdo who freaks everyone out kind of because he's like so overly agreeable, but you can tell he's about ready to snap. <laughs> so they this has dwarves from the Hobbit syndrome because you really, it's hard. It's hard to tell all these old dudes apart. You got the Dr. Maryville. You got Simpson the Sailor. Alistair. Everybody else kind of blends together. But I guess there's only five left, so maybe that's just my problem. But and, I, you know, in a couple of minutes, there'll be a few less. Yeah, so it, it doesn't really matter. We're going we're gonna to be fast and loose with names here, I think. Um, and at one point, <laughs> Alistair asked the question, can't we behave like good comrades? <laughs> just like, <laughs> I bet he brings that one out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the good comrades. What the fuck? So, yeah. Then we go back to town. See what, what What's Sherlock doing, Kevin? He's just talking to people at this bar, right? Yeah. Talking to local rowdies. What's even the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out with the townies? I mean, he's getting, he's getting the real Scottish cultural experience. What do you mean? Well, isn't the whole point to investigate a series of crimes... Taking place in a specific location where logically the suspects would be one of a group of people who are not at this bar. Yeah, but I mean, in fairness, I think if you have like a big ass mansion in town, all eyes are on that in the community. So I think it's okay to go and get some color in the bar and say like, what's what what's like what's it like up there? Have you ever been up there? Do they ever come down and talk to you guys? Anybody really sketchy? See anything weird? I think that's fine. Well, I don't it's know. not like necessarily Holmes, super Holmes is, important. Holmes but. is like a, a trained observer. He's going to go up there himself. He can draw his own conclusions. Why these drunks at the bar? What are they going to tell him? I'm, I I think you're being a little. Oh, am I? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think it's I don't I think it's okay to get the get the the local townies take on on these good comrades. So the so called good comrades. Oh, you sound a bit suspicious mm. of them. Well, you know something. Something's afoot. These, these, uh, this strange social club. But anyways, oh, so, and so this drunk guy, mm. the 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 big information that Holmes gets from him is that Drearcliff Place is haunted by the memory of evil. Oh, deep. We never even find out what that is. No. Someone did smuggling at one point. Apparently, that's so evil. It's like the movie is seventy minutes and it still has filler. I know. <laughs> it's kind of impressive. Well, there's more filler to come, so oh, don't yeah. worry. Don't worry about it. We we got more filler for you folks. We got uh we got we got it's gonna be a hoot. That's all I'll say yeah. about the filler. So meanwhile, 
uh, I think you made it. Maybe you were right to criticize Holmes for bullshitting in the bar with some local townies because uh, somebody actually is murdered in the time that he's doing that. When he then they show up, the housekeeper comes in, says there's. Uh, the housekeeper comes into the bar, says there's been a murder. Local police guy invites Watson and Holmes up to the house with him. Um, Alistair's saying weird shit like "excellent, most excellent" once Holmes arrives. So you, he obviously springs the top of your suspect list. <laughs> and they reveal that um, a person who is literally named Guy. <laughs> been- they didn't have the money to come up with names. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Guy. Very low budget film. Maybe it's some sort of like in-depth Guy Fox joke where they burn him every year. But Guy Guy died. Guy is dead. How did he die? He was burned to a crisp inside the house's furnace. <laughs> so, whoops. <laughs> Hate when that happens. <laughs> did he get did he get an orange seed letter? Nobody knows at first. But then in like a moment that's supposed to be dramatic, but then it's kind of cleared up pretty quickly, Holmes walks up. Holmes just dramatically walks away from everyone standing over the charred body, goes upstairs, confronts Mrs. Monteith, who's the Mrs. Danters-esque uh, maid, housekeeper lady, and says, give me the orange pips letter. So she gives it, and he's like, oh, you weren't able to give this to Guy because he didn't eat dinner with you guys. And she's like, yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, that's cleared up. <laughs> Why was that a, a big dramatic build up? <laughs> Something completely mundane happened? Let's have a whole scene focusing on and have the music get all intense. So then Holmes wants to call the police, right? He wants to call the cops, yeah. Even that though, seems reasonable. I mean, isn't there a, a Scottish guy already there? How insulting to him. He wants to call Scotland Yard. He wants to call okay. the big boys. Wants to call in the big boys. But there's a problem because... There are no phones allowed at this big house where some people are disappearing mysteriously and dying on a regular basis. Because why would the people in such a situation want the ability to contact help at a moment's notice? Oh, they're terribly noisy, Kevin, don't you know? I mean, in fairness, it sounds like they started getting murdered a few days ago. So maybe maybe they couldn't get... I mean, I don't know. It's this big castle. (laughs) Who knows... Who knows what the electricity situation is up there? I guess there is electricity, right? Yeah. They're, they're turning on lights. Seems suspicious. So, so let's say you are staying at a house with seven elderly ladies mm. and people are dying. That's my summer plans, you know, most years. So how many people die before you say, okay, I'm going to go into town? Well, no, I, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm not going to stick around in some murder house. That's dumb. So as soon as one person dies, your vacation's I'm over. I'm gone. Well, yeah, wouldn't it? Well, shouldn't it be? <laughs> shouldn't it be? Unless you're trapped on the island. That's why you got to really do these kind of like Agatha Christie things kind of carefully because you have to make it so people can't leave or people are not going to leave and, that, and it's going to make sense. When people are just getting hunted down like animals in the halls of this home, and nobody's even like saying, "Hey, can we get an Airbnb somewhere else? Like, let's figure this out." That's not realistic. And then, then there's no reason. Like, if there's you, all you have to do is, "Hey, oh, the uh, you know the the road got washed away in the storm. We're all stuck." You got to write that in because otherwise, it's just like, "What the hell's going on?" Cause their judgment into question. Would you stay? Makes you suspicious. I feel like you would stay. I probably would stay. Yeah, because you're stubborn. <laughs> I'm stubborn. I'm not going to let some crazy murderer spoil my vacation. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a pretty tough bird. I, You leave a very strangely worded TripAdvisor thing that, that would make the police think you were the murderer. <laughs> yeah, I'd be frog marched out of there. <laughs> I just, I think you would stay. I think I'd drag you out of there, though. Because I, I would mean, like, why would, why, 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 I don't want to be the next murdered. That's. No fun. No vacation's worth a, worth that. That's a pretty firm line in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why I said I clarified in the beginning. I wanna I wanna stay in a gothic castle with a, a murdery vibe, not with actual murders. You know. Because no vacation is worth a murder. You're firm about that. On Halloween, on Halloween, people dress up like scary things. They don't actually go around killing people or doing the things that those characters do. I want like a Halloween version. 
So do you, do you you want to feel a murder could happen, or you just want to go to like the equivalent of like a murder play where you know it's fake? No, I want to. I want to just like it's a spooky gothic castle, just that vibe. Okay, that style where I could be like, ooh, you know, looking out the and, window. And the, for the sake of the listener, uh, Anya is moving her fingers. How would you describe that? In a witchy way. Doing kind of like jazz hands? In a witchy way. Okay. Yeah. That's what she wants. Yes. And you want to stay and get murdered. No, if we stayed and I got murdered, wouldn't that give you a hell oh of an anecdote? Oh, my God. You could do like a podcast about it. Oh, my God. That's You terrible. take some pictures that would go viral. That's What the fuck? <laughs> What's you could get a hell you? of a story out of it. Yeah, I could eat eat lunch on that for years, right? Dine out on that for years. <laughs> I went for a vacation and my fiance got murdered. That's a heck of a tale. That's how I'd tell it. That's how I'd open it up. <laughs> Anyways, no, you're not getting you're not joining any good comrades bullshit and getting murdered. So just put that notion out of your head, please. But anyways, I start relating to Alistair pretty quickly because he's bundled in this big cozy blanket. I mean, that's what I that's what I want out of a vacation. Um, but at this point, Sherlock suspects that everyone could be the killer you know he, they've invited him to stay he's gonna he's gonna room with them even though the sailor guy kind of wasn't too happy about it well, he seems kind of suspicious because they have a bunch of books in the library mm. and most of them seem to have the word murder in the title and what kind of a nut would have a bunch of books about murders i don't know some some sick puppy i think yeah something has to be wrong with someone like that sherlock would be very anti-true crime community i think Yes, if Sherlock stayed here with us, I think we would be we'd be in big trouble. We'd be in big trouble, and not just because of that. He'd be like, not just because of our book collection. I think he'd find a lot of things wrong. Yeah, he'd be he'd be reading us for filth. Jeez, yeah. but yeah, he definitely wouldn't like our murder book collection and would be like oh, the evidence of a criminal mind. Like, oh, we're just weird, you know. But we mean well. <laughs> um. I mean, meanwhile, Sherlock's probably read a lot of murder books, so I feel like it's kind of pot calling the kettle black, don't you think? Ooh, are you suspicious of Sherlock in this affair? Oh, everyone's a suspect. My question, Kevin, is if you were one of the good comrades, and let's say, you know, you were doing what you said you would do and sticking around, do you do you invite Sherlock over to your big murder mansion? Sure. Yeah, I would too. Why not? He's a fun guy. Watson's there. Watson can get up to some trouble. Watson, give us some laughs. Give us some of the old yucks. <laughs> give us some yucks, Watson. And in fact, he does, because the next day, Watson sleeps until 1 p.m., and he comes out, and he says, oh, I didn't sleep all that well. <laughs> what a mood. And what does Holmes say? Didn't sleep very well. You snored like a pig. <laughs> what a fucking embarrassing exchange. You snored like a pig. Not like your snores were so loud they shook the room. Like, you're a pig, you fucking (laughs) fat fuck, you bastard. You know he's angry because he kept him up all night with the snoring. That was brutal. That was like, I feel like all the good comrades like flinched when they heard that. And and Watson just takes it. Watson didn't even seem the least bit offended by it. If If we were hanging out with a bunch of people and you said, oh, I didn't sleep that well last night and then and I said, didn't sleep well? You snored like a pig. Wouldn't we have, like, words when we got home? Like, Anya, what the fuck? That's really mean. I think you could, that's kind of your sense of humor. <laughs> I think that's maybe a few levels above my sense of humor in terms of being mean in front of other people. Um, but uh, anyway, meanwhile, um, things are going to get a little murdery. Within this pleasant pig exchange, uh, I, I think it's is it, is it is it Simpson who suddenly says, "Oh, good heavens!" On this chair which I was about to sit on innocently, there's a needle. That's right. Uh, Simpson, the surly bastard, nearly sits on a poisoned needle, according to Sherlock. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> And this is something that actually happened in an episode of SVU. So <laughs> this is a convention that bad writers are constantly going back to. 
Put a big old needle on the chair and sit your ass down and boop, you're dead. When SVU, I think the person didn't even see the needle and sat on it, right? Yes. Because it's wildly implausible that anyone would see a needle on a chair before they sit down. Yeah. Now it feels like something extra I have to worry about. <laughs> Thanks, Sherlock. Thanks, Sherlock. So, um, you know, just again, if there's needles in your chair, I think you'd even leave Kevin at this point. If this p- p- someone poking people in the ass on the chairs, we got to get out of there. That's, no, that's not, kind of fun. No, it's not fun. That dials it up a notch. I think you're the one leaving all the needles on the chairs just to dial your vacation up a notch. Wouldn't you feel like you were like a scaredy cat if you left at this point? See, I, I don't have some like weird masculine need to like prove myself to ever. So no, I would just feel like I was being smart and not not gonna die. Scaredy cat, what? <laughs> I don't want to be a big scaredy cat. That's the kind of thing Simpson would say. Simpson, the surly sailor. That's me. Yeah, that's you. You'd be like, oh, it's just like when I went around the Horn of Africa. Like, just get out of here, old man. <laughs> But uh, Cosgrave, who I don't even remember who the hell that was, um, gets the next letter. But Simpson uh, is, is somebody who Sherlock begins to suspect at this point. He tells Watson that he believes that the sailor planted the needle himself to avert suspicion. That sounds like a trick you'd pull. I, that I would avert... <laughs> <laughs> like when? Like in general? Or like... <laughs> You're always planting needles to get yourself off the hook. Yeah, there you go. That That's par for the course for me. <laughs> if I were there, they'd immediately know who to look at. But anyway, Simpson is freaked out. So Merivale volunteers, I guess, to watch over him as he sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who was acquitted for murder volunteers to watch over the surly sailor. Then suddenly then in the middle of the night... Watson starts yelling for Holmes. What happened? What happened to Watson? Is he did he get did he get pricked in the butt with a needle? Watson was sitting in a chair down in the front room, and someone has tied into the chair and is maybe trying to kill him. It's unclear. <laughs> it's unclear. And now that I've if we didn't see the if we didn't see the guy tying him to the chair, I would almost think something had <laughs> happened where he was like doing a jump rope thing where he accidentally did it to himself because that that's the kind of Watson we're used to at this point. But he was indeed attacked. So can I ask you if you understand this scene? I've seen the end of the movie, to my regret. <laughs> I love this movie, and I'm not sure I I understood who was tying him to the chair if they were in fact trying to kill him or why they did it. Maybe they were trying to scare him? It looked like someone was trying to chloroform him or something. Why? I don't know. Maybe they just get off on that kind of thing. Why would you think Watson's the least bit of a threat to your plans? Maybe by fucking with him you're trying to like get Sherlock out of there? I think you fuck with, with Watson, you just get Sherlock more interested. Oh, that's my friend you're fucking with. I, I agree, but maybe they they don't know who they're dealing with. If if I was a criminal, I think I'd sit Watson down and tell him everything. Because <laughs> I think he would just somehow mess it up. Mm-hmm. The more he knows, the the more confused he gets. I'm not saying they made the right choice. I'm just trying to say maybe that's what they was going through their, their mind. Uh, and then somehow Inspector Lestrade shows up. Lestrade? <laughs> Is it Lestrade, Lestrade or Lestrade? Okay, I, I apologize. <laughs> Jesus Christ. don't you think if i were attacked when we were staying at this big murder mystery rant you know castle that you wanted to go to like so it's it's my fault now you would feel bad and you might want to leave (laughs) you would say oh kevin we have to go to some place with a murder vibe well you said and then we go there and you you get attacked and i should feel bad well you were the one who was saying you'd stay even if people were dropping dead like flies the whole thing's your idea why should i feel bad well, I guess there's your answer. So I guess it would be a bad idea to vacation with you. You got attacked on you in a murder mansion that I made a stay in. Mm. I didn't make a stay there. It was your you, idea. You were the one who said that. You were the one who said that you oh, wouldn't leave. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I, you could go home. You, <laughs> you want to finish up your vacation alone in the murder mansion? <laughs> 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 to 
just like hanging out in your room by yourself the whole time? What are you gonna do? Just be very sad to miss you. Because this is supposed to be romantic. This will be our big romantic vacation. Yeah, so why? Maybe this is our honeymoon. But why are you staying then when people are getting murdered? Why didn't you just come home with me and get a refund? If we went to a murder castle on our honeymoon and people We deserve were, everything we get. And people were dying. Wouldn't that be a hell of a story? Because people always say, oh, where'd you go on your honeymoon? Oh, but we God. went on a murder spree castle. Oh, see, now... Now people are going to think that we're the ones doing it. If any, if we're ever involved in anything. Oops. Yeah, good job. Way to go. <laughs> um, so then, so Lestrade shows up. We find that Merivale and Simpson and, no, Cosgrove. I don't know. Who the <laughs> fuck? Merivale, who's the doctor, who's the murderer. And then uh, some other guy named Cosgrove are locked up in their, in the room. And they're not responding. So they break down the door. They find the doctor unconscious and tied up with a sailor's knot. Ooh. A sailor's knot. Ooh. And uh, and it also this whole incident leaves Lestrade very confused. And he's yelling, how did I get up here? Which is like, honestly, that would be me in this. <laughs> just wandering around this place. People would be like, oh, meet us in the drawing room. Or meet us in the ballroom. And I'd be just wandering around for hours. T- totally lost. I'm terrible at directions. And then suddenly there's an explosion. <laughs> turns into a Fast and Furious film. And I interrupt you because it was just kind of like that abrupt, right? Pretty but much. Pretty much. Suddenly there's an explosion. Holmes yells, what do you need dynamite for? <laughs> what is going on? The big bl- explosion. Um, and then they find uh, that a body uh, out, out in some shack and with Cosgrove's ring on it. and Because uh, the body itself is so horribly mangled by the explosion. Yeah, just graphic graphic and sure it's kind of an interesting coincidence hmm. that all these bodies are too mangled to be able to be identified hmm, maybe that'll be important later oh i can't imagine it would be it's just the nature of death it's disfiguring so they find that sherlock posits that the body that cosgrove could not have gone there on his own volition that the footprints leading up to the shack indicate that somebody was carrying a body but Miss Kane, is, is it is it important that he, they were tied with a sailor's knot? Because we know that one of these surviving men is in fact a sailor. <gasps> now that you mention Kevin, it maybe it maybe it is important. Yeah, practically anyone can tie a sailor's knot. Says Sherlock. Sailor's knots. Psh. Anyone can do it. So what does Watson say to that? He says that's quite a naughty problem. And I'm just like here clapping, tears streaming down my cheeks. That's like my level of bad punning. And I just feel seen, heard, and represented by Dr. Watson in this. <laughs> of course, you, you like sighed like your soul was leaving your body. And you were just so happy. I was so happy. You felt love understood. Love it. A naughty problem. That's the shit we love here. And uh, then Lestrade asks what the audience is probably thinking. Uh, Won't someone please tell me what's going on here? (laughs) And meanwhile, a new letter comes in. And it's to Simpson. Sailor Simpson. So what's it got in it? Grapefruit rinds? Banana peels? (laughs) No, it's orange pips. (laughs) Oh, of course. And and by pips, I mean orange seeds. Oh, my God. No one likes to call them seeds. I think they're literally called pips also. I'm going to look this up. Pip is a British term for a seed inside certain fleshy fruits, according to someone's blog, someone named Stephanie Huesler. So it seems to be just like, you know, a, a Sherlock-era-ism for seeds. I think pip is a much cuter word than seed. Seed kind of, you know. Well, see, I like the word I, seed because when you hear it, you know exactly what it is. I, it sounds to me like it could be like, investment for a startup it could be uh something inappropriate <laughs> pip sounds cool pip 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 cheerio <laughs> i love it so if i said i opened up a, an envelope and there was five orange seeds you'd think oh kevin got five uh checks for his startup company yeah i probably would at this point wow i'm pretty dedicated to the business beat you are this kind of sad seed is pip is a much f- Pip is fun to say. Pip. Pip has a lightness to it. Seed drags you down. 
Well, it's okay for you to be wrong. You're just a big doofus, I think. And you go choke on some orange pips. The orange pips, the story that by Arthur Conan Doyle is kind of a sad one. Spoiler for the story. But Sherlock does not is not able to save the life of the man being targeted by the KKK. He dies. And then basically the KKK guys go back to America on a boat, but the boat sinks. So it's like poetic justice. But like Sherlock is able to figure out the mystery, but he's not able to save the guy. So it's like kind of depressing. Well, thanks for bringing us all down. Pip, pip, cheerio. <laughs> so at this point, Watson and Sherlock decide to go outside and do some investigating on the beach. And Lestrade tells them that they can go play in the sand as much as they like, but he'll be out there doing real police work. But um, it's all spooky out. The moon is out with fog rolling over it. And they find all these footprints in the sand, a very, very moonstone-like vibe, Kevin. Wilkie Collins. <laughs> They're trespassing around the shivering sands. And they find um, evidence of a famous mythological creature. In fact, they find uh, Bigfoot tracks. <laughs> so they <laughs> they keep on calling this one set of tracks Bigfoot and talking about how all oh, the the man with smaller feet and Bigfoot walked this way. <laughs> oh, and Bigfoot goes on alone. Oh, pour one out for the old squatch. He's lonely now. <laughs> So Watson and Sherlock are now cryptozoologists. Love to see it. Can't wait to see their new show on the History Channel. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a big fake plastic rock falls and nearly hits them. <laughs> Suspense. At which point they run back inside, find the good inspector asleep, and then you misheard a line of dialogue that Watson said. <laughs> I don't remember what he said, but it sounded like he said like... He said, he said... <laughs> He encouraged Lestrade. He said, stick to us, old man. I thought he said, stick my ass, old man. Like, that was some weird insult. And, like, honestly, Watson is kind of hard to understand in this movie. He he feel, A lot of things feel garbled and slurred, more so than normal. He's like, they're like, what the fuck are you saying? So he's a little bit hard to make out. So they find the cop knocked out, and... Oh, and then they find uh, Monteith comes in, says Simpson is dead. Simpson's found dead and mutilated. All they have is his torso. Somebody call Elliot fucking Ness. <laughs> Get Mr. Untouchables out here. Maybe a copycat. Because Elliot Ness, of course, for the listener, investigated a series of torso murders in Cleveland in the 1940s. It was a dark 1940s joke. Was it the 1940s? Wasn't it? I thought it was like the 30s. Wasn't there a lot about like Hoovervilles and shit? I will look up the Cleveland Torso Murders. Pretty gruesome crime. That's my brand of dark humor for you. You are correct. It was uh, 1935, 1938. Boom. Boom, baby. Definitely something useful to have in my head. (laughs) Cleveland Torso Murder facts. I'm very fun at parties. You are very fun at parties. You're the life of the parties. No. What party you... I guess we've never been to a party together. No, and like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, you, I, when I used to go to parties, I was definitely not the life of the party. I was like the creepy, ghostly presence at the party, I feel mostly. <laughs> Why do you say that? I don't know, like Bad Vibe City. Because <laughs> I'd be saying shit like, yeah, the Cleveland Torso murders were in the 1930s, and people would be like backing away. <laughs> people would <are> like, okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. And you'd just be saying that with no context. Yeah, I'd be saying that with no context. Like, hey, ever hear about the Cleveland torso murders? Like, no. Bye. So they do find a boat tattoo that, uh, that I almost said Cleveland had, that uh, that uh, Simpson had, who, uh, you know, that identifies him. So they know it's him. Uh, Lestrade. Lestrade gets a note. Yeah, he gets a note and he's making a, oh, no. Oh, my God, are you okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So um, he gets a note and then Holmes just grabs it, opens it up. Guess what? No pips, no pulp. 
smooth, no seeds. Smooth, smooth taste. Tropicana. <laughs> and it's just a note. It's a... From a confidential tipster whose mm. name they loudly read out in front of all the suspects. <laughs> Alan McGregor. Oh, goodness. I mean, like, come on. Like, Jesus. So they run back into town, leaving Watson alone with the last living good comrades, which is Meridale, the doctor who is a murderer, and Alistair, who is a creepy, nice guy. And McGregor is the drunk guy from before. He's now a confidential tipster, and he is stone cold dead. Uh, Should we mention it's very, there's a storm raging, it's mm, thundering. Mm hmm. Love that. Very evocative. Love it. Love the scene. Love the Scott Scottish rain pouring down. It's all spooky. Great. Great scene. And now we have a sequence that I'm probably misremembering it, but I believe it was like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> With Watson walking around an empty house talking to himself and being occasionally mildly startled. Basically me whenever I'm home alone. <laughs> I was did you? Oh, I was just uh, like that, <laughs> that was basically basically it, it for thirty minutes. <laughs> it was probably more like ten or like five minutes, but you kind of wish this was the whole movie, like Watson Home Alone. This <laughs> is what he. You wonder what your dog does when you leave the house. Your, whatever your dog does is way more dignified than this. <laughs> I'm just surprised he didn't go to the kitchen and make a really big sandwich. <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy style. That's where this was going. I also, I love, I just, I love this so much. I mean, I always get a little spooked out of him, you know, somewhere a home alone. You know, I, I, I could see myself. I could see this being me on a certain, on a certain level. Maybe not to this degree, but certain, certain choices. So is this what you're doing in the apartment when I go like walk the dog for yeah. like five minutes? Yeah. Walking around with my gun. <laughs> Shooting at random things. That's why. That's why all the bullet holes are in the wall. Yeah, Kevin. I was wondering about that. Yeah, that was. I didn't tell you, but basically, this. There's a scene, and I'm, no one's gonna understand this reference, but I'm gonna make it anyway. There's a scene in the Year Without a Santa Claus where, which is a Rankin Bass claymation movie. Santa Claus is walking around. You don't need to know anything else about the scene, but Santa Claus is walking around and he's just muttering to himself. And he's like looking at the reindeer, and the reindeer looking back like, "What the fuck?" And he's like. <laughs> And this scene reminded me a lot of that. I think about that scene a lot for some reason, but this scene reminded me of that. I like I like old men grumping around the house, muttering to themselves. It's pretty funny. Um, so at some point, um, Watson, yeah, Watson sits down in the darkness. He says he has to get, he wants to get back to Baker Street. Starts reading. Then he hears smashing glass. He said something to the effect of someone's going to get murdered in their beds if we're not careful. Very casual. Like, you you really can't understand what a lot of what he's saying in this scene. <laughs> but meanwhile, we think we see the shadow of a boom mic at one point. Yeah, I love that. So that's fun. <laughs> you, you know, the shoot was out of control at this point. They're just trying to get done. You know, Watson has one of those big fancy gothic story lamps you know like a big lamp very beautiful lamp that he's walking around that's what i want to do i want to walk around a spooky manor with a big lamp i don't know what i'll find i'll probably find nothing but what a great image <laughs> would you have like a little nightcap on yeah naturally a little nightcap little slippers be very cute it sounds adorable we agree you could come too as long as you have a lamp I can I can scrounge up a lamp. Yeah, get a lamp. Let's go. But Watson finds that Merivale is now missing. Very casual about it. Says it's fishy. He has much more of a negative reaction when I guess a mirror shatters at some point in this whole hijinks. Yeah, he he, he mumbles something about that. He's yelling for the housekeeper, Mrs. Monteith. Doing a lot of mumbling to himself, and then somehow he ends up getting locked out of the house. <laughs> And it's like in a rainstorm in like fucking gale force five winds like the the water's freezing <laughs> rain drenching him. And like, here's the thing. We've been having a kind of quiet, subdued Nigel Bruce until this moment. Now we're getting the big guns are being broken out in terms of this bumbling buffoon. This is just ridiculous. He's rolling around in the rain. 
uh, someone move the chair. And like he's, he's coming back in through the door that he closed previously. Now it's open. Oh, I mean, just get a fight. You want someone to come in and just slap him. Just get a fucking grip. He's just being ridiculous. And then it gets worse. What What does he do with all this stress, Kevin? How does he react? He starts shooting wildly about the dark room. He, uh... He murks some uh, suit of armor. He shoots at a cat. <laughs> and says, sorry, I'll in the line of duty to the cat. <laughs> He's unhinged, basically. He's unhinged. He is so unhinged. So then he tells Holmes and Lestrade when they come back home that he was surrounded. And they're like roasting him. They find Merivale in his room reading the sensuously titled Murder in the Fog. A romance. I'm joking about the romance, but basically (laughs) he's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, why are you guys coming in here? Alistair's telling some creepy story about drinking milk in the kitchen. And then he immediately falls back asleep. So at this point I'm thinking he's the bad guy. Um, and, and, and then we basically the next day (laughs) after Lestrade (laughs) roasts Watson about being surrounded, the gang goes to the graveyard and Holmes forces Watson to dig his own grave because he's not—he's not about that humiliation that he was experienced last night. He's saying, "You're done as my partner. Now get digging." No, I'm just That's kidding. That's not what no. happens. No, he—he loves Watson. He—he has his—he has. They're digging up some of the local people though to see if there's been any grave robbing because Holmes has a hunch. So what—what what happens here, Kevin? So while. Watson is digging into this grave. Holmes, I'm not sure what he does, but he takes a powder. He bounces. Uh, Watson is talking at a a couple of points. When Watson pauses, uh, he hears an owl say, ooh. And so naturally, Watson assumes that there's animal making animal noises is in fact his friend Sherlock Holmes asking the interrogative question who are you referring to so Watson gets into quite a conversation with this bird thinking he's talking to his beloved friend and then after he is revealed uh, that he was talking to a bird he keeps saying things like silly bird and like blaming (laughs) the bird (laughs) he's standing He's standing in a hole muttering about a bird and like, God bless him. And I don't even know if they have permission to dig up this grave, but like they're doing <laughs> it anyway. And when they come back to the house, they get a, they get some big news. Lestrade's made a break in the case. What was the break? Well, Merivale's gone missing. So the only remaining guy is Alistair, the creepy, nice guy. Well, then he must be the guilty party. Does he admit his guilt? No, he's saying he didn't, he didn't do anything. He's very sad about all his friends dying. But they go, uh, basically Watson goes in to gloat over Alistair <laughs> and then asks if he has any tobacco. Alistair says no, but he can have some of Simpson the Sailor's crappy tobacco that everyone hated. And Watson opens up the jar, says, this may be important, and then barges through the doors while Alistair says, dear me. And I'm like, at this point, same. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Sherlock's walking around the outside of the building with a straw trying to figure out some stuff. But they run back into Alistair once they've realized that the building's measurements don't really make sense from the inside to the outside. And they go back in. They can't find Dr. Watson. (gasps) And Holmes, like, freaks the fuck out. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, they got my boy. He says they're desperate. And they've got Dr. Watson. He loves Watson. He cares about him. Cares about him deeply. He really does. And that's kind of nice to see. So they uh, Sherlock realizes that there is a tunnel. So they got to... They go through the fireplace, I think, or like a bookcase, whatever cliche bullshit. I don't even remember. But they go through and they get to this tunnel. Now, I assume your murder castle vacation spot would have a secret tunnel. Naturally. Naturally. I want I want to be in that passage. I'd be hanging out there constantly, freaking people out. Um, but anyways, they break out some big Beauty and the Beast candelabra situation and they go down and Alistair follows, even though he's handcuffed because he's like, I don't want to be alone. And honestly, that would be me because I would not want to be left alone. Maybe there's some other murderers in the house. I'm going with Sherlock. I'm going with Lestrade. These people, at least one of them knows what they're doing. Presumably. And 
like, I guess Watson, in a way, figured out the crime before Sherlock did. I just want to point that out. Watson we, we solved he, the mystery. We, he solved the mystery by getting accidentally captured. Well, but he figured out the tobacco was important. I, I guess that's true. <laughs> but the big break was when he got captured. That's fair. But I love to see Holmes being all worried about Watson, don't you? Yes. Why do you love that? It shows he cares about this, the fella. Oh, this little guy. This stupid guy who talked to an owl. You know he's like having flashbacks of all the dumb mean times he was kind of mean to Watson. Like, you snore like a pig. And like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no these guys are going to kill him. My little buddy. It's kind of oh, sad. Oh, it's very sad and kind of sweet. It's really sweet. I love it. Um, So... Uh, Lestrade, of course, is kind of—it's his time to hold the idiot ball. So he almost falls down the stairs while they're going in this tunnel. Holmes blows out the birthday candles, and of course, at this point, you've probably figured out that this is just an insurance ruse. So we're gonna see who's behind this insurance ruse in a second. Who's behind it? Well, Lestrade walks out and get, has a gun on everybody. Everybody except Alistair was on this insurance ruse. Everybody's alive. Nobody was were murdered except for McGregor, the guy who was like the, you know, the drunk dude, basically. So I assume they explained why they faked their deaths in such an extravagant way that got a lot of attention from uh, people like Holmes. No, but Holmes does get what he's looking for. What's that? What is that? What is that? Are you talking about the reward of the year? No, Watson. Oh, yes. He got it. <laughs> what he was looking for was Watson. Watson was bound and gag. He was trussed up, ironically enough, like a pig. Getting his just desserts. No! <laughs> and that's what Holmes wanted to see. No! Stop! But Holmes unties his friends and, and his friend Watson and Watson says, they're going to throw me in the water. Thank you. Saved my life. Aw. So he gets Holmes back. I mean, he gets Watson back. That's pretty much... I think he seemed kind of bored with this mystery. I feel like he was just mostly worried about Watson. Yeah, I think he was bored by the mystery. He I think was kind of like, like yeah. an audience surrogate there. Yeah, honestly. But <laughs> so then they're like, names, 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 Cosgrove, you know, Simpson, you all. And then Alistair's like, you guys suck as friends. Y'all are toxic, which is true. And um, everyone realizes that, you know, all the bad guys realize that they totally fucked up because they made this whole dumb mystery and the orange pips and all the... You know, the tobacco bullshit. And and Simpson was a dumbass by leaving his tobacco out. Like, what what were they thinking? And uh, McGregor basically came across some guy who was, like, named Bigfoot or something and realized that <laughs> something was going on, so they killed him. That's why they killed him. Um, And then the next thing... So we... what, what was... What is... Just give me... I know we don't have a lot of time here. Mm. What was their end game? Were they just going to take this money and live in a secret room in the mansion for the rest of their lives? Here's what's ridiculous. They all had some decent money and could afford being in this big fancy club and had a really nice life in Scotland, seemingly. So, like, I don't exactly know what they were going to go do. And they were all people who were relatively prominent in their professions. Respected. Yeah. So they would be recognized. So was the plan just to hide out in this castle for the rest of their lives? Well, they were going to They were gonna go when they were going to go they were going to kidnap and murder Dr. Watson by throwing him off the boats. The boat was going to be like an escape vehicle. Yeah. But it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And like how much, I mean, obviously they get a lot of money, but like how, it's stupid. So Watson gets upset because when an article about this appears in the paper, Inspector Lestrade gets all the credit. This is back when they're at 22B Baker Street hanging out with Alistair. 221B. 221, I'm sorry. This is back when they're hanging out in 221B Baker Street with Alistair and Chalmers, who was the insurance investigator from the beginning. And he was gonna, he's, gonna, he's so mad he's going to burn the newspaper in the fireplace. And then Chalmers says, well, where did they even get these bodies? And, and Watson starts to explain it. Mm-hmm. He, and, of course, it's Watson trying to do something right. So, of course, he gets befuddled. He, he gets it right that the, they dug the bodies of the local people up for, you know, to fake the deaths and mutilated them so they'd be unrecognizable. But he stumbles when the insurance guy asks him, well, how do they tattoo the dead guy? And he starts to, Holmes totally humiliates him here. He lets him stutter out and fizz out until he's like, oh, sorry, Holmes. <laughs> and then Holmes is like, yeah, they just tattooed the dead guy, whatever. 
And then Chalmers wants to give the reward money to Holmes, and Holmes says, no, let's give it to Alistair. And Alistair is like, you know, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I just am an idiot, basically. And then what does Holmes say? Holmes, he pats Watson on the back and says, well, you know what? If you hadn't said anything about the missing tobacco, then we wouldn't have been able to save Watson. And uh, he's my he's my best friend. We have a happy association together, and I fucking love this dumbass. <laughs> and Watson's just simpering and laughing like an idiot. Aww. And then that's it. That's the end of the picture. That's the show, folks. And um, what did you think of the movie? It was okay. What did you like about it? What did you not like? I like the Holmes-Watson relationship. I like some of the comedic moments with uh, Watson. Uh, the central mystery was as dull as dust. Uh, there were two, the whole thing, the basic idea of the mystery was dumb. The mechanism of it was dumb. I think I prefer to see these characters on the streets of 19th century London instead of in some stupid cheap castle. <laughs> see, I love I love the stupid cheap castle. <laughs> That's my vibe. But I agree, the mystery was pretty silly. Um, I would say personally, I love this. The House of Fear is the House of Fear is furnished with some fun haunted Gothic manor moments on the cliffs of Scotland, but it's certainly more silly than its scary name suggests. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.